0: This is RAF with Tony Tone and L.A. Yo, and welcome back straight live and direct to the jungle studios. In fact, the brand new jungle studios. I have moved across country and am now back in my hometown of Melbourne. So yeah, look, I know it's been about a year since I've left you without any podcasts or anything like that. Uh, Truth be told, I was in pretty much lockdown. Yep. And uh, leading into that, that's what this podcast is going to be. I've decided after... You know, taking some time to collect the thoughts and dropping some fire mixtapes, that I was going to start a series where I would interview people of Melbourne, just the everyday people, all walks of life, doing all different things race, religion, creed, doesn't matter, gender, or anything like that. And I want to sit down with them and ask them, you lived in a city where you broke the record for the longest lockdown, being literally under house arrest. You weren't allowed to do anything bar, go to the supermarket to get some food and an hour exercise. And in Melbourne's case, you were actually limited on the distance you could travel from your home, who you could see. It even got so crazy that I actually have my own house, but I moved in with my parents because I would, in theory, if someone snitched on me, uh, be fined thousands of dollars for seeing my mum and dad. But having said that, I've got a bit of a different experience, I guess you could say, because in the last two years, I did a split between uh, Melbourne and Perth, where I lived for a bit over four years. So, you know, what's up? Shout out to the Perth fam. Uh, love you and miss you. So I want to break it down to a few things, this podcast, and having a bit of an anthropological background, I just want to have something on wax that we can give to future generations uh, and that people, you know, they don't have to necessarily use their own names, can sit down into a microphone and really vent how they feel and and be in depth and we can have something you know for history because we're living through a, a historical time that we haven't seen since really the spanish flu of 1918 so i'm going to uh use myself as a guinea pig and put myself out there um yeah you know, as Buster of just would say, just give it to your raw. A little bit rusty in the old podcast myself, but uh, let's give it a crack cola. So I want to break it into different sections. Uh, the first section I want to start with is um, the start of the pandemic. Then I'm going to walk walk, walk, walk everyone through, like sort of view and vaccine, if I'm vaccinated or not, um, how impacted work, how impacted life, um, mental health issues. Uh, issues of eccentricities or laws that you were just like, what the, like, what the heck's going on? And, um, yeah, you know, just uh, finish it off with, I guess, maybe a little bit of politics, dare I say, and, and and say, look, I mean, it won't be for me to judge, but it will be up to the individual to say, well, look, you know, there's a state election coming up, um, federal election coming up next year. Will I, will I vote for the same person? So, yeah, let's... Uh, sort of get the, get the dialogue going and, um, yeah, we might even branch out to some other people around the world and, and see what they have to say as well. So, all right, let us begin. Uh, for me personally, when the pandemic started, I was actually living in Perth. Uh, well, for easy reference, just that was March last year. So, leading up to there, there was sort of a bit of rumours coming through. Um, I actually think that I got it earlier. In around 2019 when I travelled through Europe and Singapore uh, and basically what happened was I was completely and utterly destroyed by it so I was bedridden with fever uh, I didn't have any food in the house um, and I lay there just sweating uh, for days on end um, running obviously high fever and and just coughing like my lungs were about to explode and I remember one incident was when I went to the shower, because I remember as a kid I used to get like high fevers and my mum used to put me into the into the bathtub and just throw cold water over me to, you know, make me, uh, make me cool my temperature down. So I thought, I'll do the same thing. But I had a shower which was at the bottom was a bath, so you had the bath tap down the bottom of the shower. And uh, I guess one of the craziest things for me during that period was uh, I actually passed out in the shower. But what happened was, uh, as I was about to pass out, instinctively I've grabbed onto the shower head. Um, and had I not done that, I wouldn't be doing this podcast today or I would have been heavily disabled because I basically would have passed out and I would have smashed my head <clears throat> probably on the, the bath bathtub or, or the bottom of my back. So it was pretty. It was pretty close to Goodnight Irene, and um, yeah, I just remember that that, that situation as well. Just, uh, <clears throat> just uh, the the lungs went, and just on the floor, just basically choking. I just could hardly breathe, and uh, I was pretty close to calling to the hospital. But uh, truth be told, like the thing in my life has always been to try and outlive my mum and my dad, and. Um, I got to the point where i was like you know what i've done my best i'm just gonna light a doobie and smoke it and see it out because i don't think i'm going to make it so eventually obviously it did pull through it's why i'm here but that experience kind of formulated where i was at because even if it wasn't COVID, i had something kind of pretty similar to it and um yeah so once sort of february march came i thought you know maybe it's similar to what i've had and i've just had it earlier you know, like only six months beforehand, or maybe it's another kind of Spanish flu. For those of you that don't know about the Spanish flu, I suggest that you actually read up on it because um, it makes COVID look like child's play. Like, it really does. Like, people would, l- like, literally dropping dead. You'd just walk down the street to the supermarket and the people would just be dropping dead in the streets everywhere and children were just, like, dropping dead in the classroom and, it, yeah, it was absolutely horrific. Um, and and it wiped out millions, like millions and millions and millions of people just after World War One. Uh, so let's uh, fast track now so around sort of Feb March. I get a call from my sister who's a doctor, and she says, "Look, it's it's bad, it's bad. Um, you need to get on the plane like now, like not a week, like now." And if I need to talk to your boss, and I'll talk to your boss, and but. You know, doctor's orders on the plane now, uh, you're getting back, you're going to be with mum and dad and uh, you're going to be there to to watch over them because it was uh, apocalyptic for her. Uh, it really, it, it was really the apocalypse, it was really end of time, um, this is going to be like Spanish flu uh, there's going to be no money. There's going to be like society. Society is going to break out into basically a form of civil war uh, because at the time we didn't know later on as to explain what, what happened. So I kind of called my, called my boss up and I said, Look, you know, my, my, my sister wants to be back with the folks uh, on the other side of the country in Melbourne. I was living on the west coast, so flying back to the east coast. Um, and she thinks she's going to kick off basically. And my boss, you know, is a wonderful man and a freaking legend, it was like, yeah, mate, it's your fam, just, you know, straight away, just, you know, take your laptop, do your work, and, you know, as long as we can call you, then then best of luck, but look after your family. So I went back, and uh, it was it was crazy because people at the time, they kind of laugh about, oh, we, every, every Australian was taking the toilet rolls, right? So it was the weirdest thing. Like, you, but basically, your whole society was just like uh, – I might die of of this like horrible disease, but heaven forbid I run out of toilet paper. I run out of toilet paper and the shitter. Right, so people are stockpiling everything, and um, so I went back. and The plan was basically we don't know what the we don't know what the virus is like yet, so let's just essentially go into like our own like mini lockdown. Uh, so get food ready because we didn't know if the supermarkets have anything. Get your medicals ready you know, get your entertainment, your TVs and your Playstations and, and, and get ready to kind of see it out for a couple of months till we figure out if it, if it's the extent of the Spanish flu or, or not. Uh, and hospitals were... In many cases, like just didn't have the what was required, so it was, you know, doctors and nurses were, were were getting ready. Of you know, I've given up my whole entire life, which they they literally give up their whole life to be doctors and nurses uh, and and helpers, and and they were they were getting ready to go into bat for us, um, to essentially help us live. So it was uh, it was quite phenomenal, but from that, it wasn't just the toilet Paper rolls that were, were, were disappearing. It was actually the um, it was actually the the whole supermarkets. And, and one of the weirdest things for me was walking into a supermarket and like nothing is there. And when I say nothing, I mean freaking nothing. Like just empty shelves. I even saw a super, one supermarket near me shut down it ran out of stock, it literally shut down. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was wild because you're trying to just get stuff to eat or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, one of the parts of this podcast is I say, well, what will stick with you? Like what will stick with you in time in future? And, and that will be one of the things that will stay with me forever. And I'll always have i always have food and, and like toilet paper and stuff ready to go and, and and have a couple of weeks stock just just in case that happens again, and it's it's really interesting because this this beautiful beautiful uh, woman Hilda, I may mean, she rest in peace, uh, brought me and my sister up as kids. She was our babysitter, and she was people. You know, I always say like if if there's if there is any good in me as a human being, uh, then it would be Uh, from from her her raising me and still to this day I I hope I hope that you know she's looking down heaven on me that there's an iota of her that's that's kind of proud that she went through the great depression uh in sort of the what was that late 20s early 30s and she had a similar experience because everything was like living within your means and having money saved up and not being too ostentatious and having like food readily available and you know making sure that you had extra stock and you know like it was a very very different way of kind of living and our prime minister actually referenced it at the start of the campaign. So basically like I said I've I've gone I've got everything I've stocked up it's panic it's it's whatever it is uh bang lockdown and I I locked down for including the government lockdown I stayed in in Melbourne for about three months, a bit over three months, uh, I think I, I, by in June, uh, I, I get a tap on the shoulder from the boss and he goes, look, you know, Perth is still open, it's still living, it's still doing its thing and and the specific type of business that you you do, we like need your back because we need you on, on the desk and, and, and rocking and rolling. So um, by this time, we've sort of established that it's, it's bad, like it's bad for older people, uh, the first strands um, were bad for older people, but younger people were still at this stage kind of okay. It wasn't really hitting people in, like, I'm 35, but they're 20s and 30s. It was really, you know, your your grandmas in the nursing homes and whatever at the start. So at that stage, it was like, well, look, you know, the folks the folks are kind of pretty good. Um, they're, they're all right. Uh, they've got everything set up. Just head back and... Uh, you know, head back to Perth, uh, and I'll, I'll come back to the next stage of returning to Melbourne a bit later on. But uh, for me, yeah, it was uh, uh, the next stuff I want to go into is is vaccines. So society has is, is been completely and utterly divided by vaccines for for a few reasons. I mean, there's there's some which believe that it's the marvel of of modern medicine, and then there's others which uh, you know like, like friend Dice, that's like you know what it's uh you know it's the it's the devil's work and this is the new world order and the global reset and the putting the mark of the beast and Bill Gates you know microchips and everything like that on you so I think for the first time we saw in terms of a vaccination like a complete another divide of uh, a complete divide of society and and I think probably the saddest thing, one of the saddest things for me, uh, touching on it is, we lost the love for people with difference of opinions, and we, we we created a form of like medical apartheid. Now, for me personally, I think that I think that the vaccine to some extent does does some work and it does some help, I think any vaccine wears off within sort of six months or whatever it is, so you're going to need booster shots. And from the recordings that we have, um, it does look like that the medical, that less people that are vaccinated go into hospitals. But that aside, um, a lot of the things that these anti-vaxxers were saying about government control and everything like that, Turned out to be true, you know, so it's it's kind of a bit of a weird and wonderful way. Now, what also happened was that the social media and Google and everything, all of a sudden we saw this complete flood of like uh, the vaccine's no good information. So, on top of that we also had with astrazeneca which was one of the main uh, vaccines coming out that people were saying oh well you know it causes blood clots and everything like that and you can die from it and, and medical officials especially the the one in queensland were like oh, i don't take it if you're a kid you can die whereas in actual fact the the blood clots happen within society generally people living every day um and also on top of that um the percentage was super small, like minuscule. Like you have more chance of getting hit by a bus walking around in bloody London than you you did of, of, of getting it. Um for me I, I I'm the first to admit that at the beginning I was kind of a bit hesitant on the vaccines. I was hesitant because A, it was done so quickly. Um, B it was Essentially, what was called at the time new technology. See, just so much information against it on social media and Google and everything like that. Uh, and then, for my concern was uh, was fertility. Actually, that that was my my main concern because I mean, look, to be honest, I put so much stuff in my system on the recreational basis. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But uh, what else was going to be a little bit more <laughs> sort of thing? And uh, my mates that did take it before me were kind of giving me a bit of bit of Mickey on it, saying, "Well, come on, mate, like you've been a party boy for like two decades, <laughs> and now you now now you're health conscious." <laughs> so, but yeah, so look, I eventually got it. I got the double Pfizer, and um, yeah, look, it was fine. It was all good, um, and uh, but then some of my friends haven't got it. Uh like I said, there's 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 the one extreme and but then others that I know of that don't like the concept of a mandatory vaccine and, and a libertarians as well. So I, I I appreciate that and look I wouldn't I wouldn't discriminate against my mates that don't get it. Like it's just it's just ridiculous, you know. I mean my friends are my friends and if they don't want to have it then, then they don't get it. But my house is still open to them and they're still welcome. Um and if the idiocy of the laws mean that I have to Get a coffee and walk around the the block with them with an umbrella, and we have a chat. Then then so be it, because um, we can't lose sight of our society. Uh, because because if you take that attitude that oh, I'm vaccinated, you're not vaccinated, we we can't talk to each other anymore. Then it's like, well, where does it stop? You know what I mean? Where does it where does it stop once you have that mentality? Where does it stop with 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 religion? Where does it stop with money? Where does it stop with football clubs? Where does it stop with um, area codes that you live in or, or or music or you like punk and we need to like isolate punk rock people like yes it's a, it's a health crisis yes like I said I, I, I still think you should get the vaccine especially older people. Right? I, 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 I don't think that children that are like 5 to 10 should get it, only because it's like they've got their whole life to live with it, you know? Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of with people and they're saying, like, don't give it to children because, yeah, let, let them build their antibodies and everything like that. But I'm not a doctor, you know? I don't really know anything about medicine. I see a bit of blood I want to throw up all over the floor. I mean, i will be a horrible doctor. Um but so, yeah, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like so as we said, even talking about it for 10 minutes has created this kind of change within the society, so to speak. Um, how do, how it impacted my life as the next nut that I've got. I was in a weird situation where the job that I was doing, which is in international trade, went into complete boom town. So I, the last, like, two years, well, the last probably year, year, a year and a half has been literally just trying to write as many checks as you possibly can because it's one of the the greatest uh, greatest economic opportunities that I'll probably have in my life. Um, and the reason being is that because so much stimulus went in and everyone's sitting at home in lockdown uh, with online shopping, people started just buying everything online because... You know, you, you can't forget that we're in Australia and in our holidays, because it, we're so, we're, our country is so huge and we're so far away from everyone, that it requires us to really um, fly long distances. So it's really expensive. <clears throat> so to put it in perspective, as an individual, if I go to Europe for let's say a month, I mean that's easy 10k um, just for me. Once you take account airfares and you want to stay in a half decent accommodation and not a hostel, and and you know just the simple currency conversion of nearly two to one, um, going out living and 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 whatnot, you know. Uh, so it, anywhere in the world is that, you know. I mean, a, a cheap holiday is going to be like you know five six from from Melbourne anyway, and then if you're in if you're in Perth, you're still probably up a couple of grand. You know, even if it's just a trip from Perth to Bali, it's still, you know, going to be a couple of thousand by the time you, you add it all up. So um, I was actually thinking about my friend Boonster probably saying, no, I can do Bali for cheaper. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so people were spending that money on stuff around the house, like they were doing home renos, they were buying bigger TVs, they were buying more comfortable couches. Um, so we saw a complete surge in... In consumer items, which basically triggered off like a commodities boom to make it, and 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 the flow on effect from there. And I'll save with the economics. So the impact on my life financially was not. Um, I didn't get hit, and like I said, I mean I, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a pretty decent decent wicket. So you know, and, and a single. Uh, live by myself, right? So. It was kind of quite easy, and then when I was in lockdown, I was at my folks' of six I would have been fine. So you know, just sent the family home. Uh, but having said that, it, it really, it really, uh, it, it 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 got to me that during this lockdown that the government could in a a stroke of a pen basically wipe out 600,000 small businesses in one state alone. And now we're supposedly like, oh, we're back and we're open and it's all good, it's all great, whatever. But are we? Because people have lost an absolute squillion. It's not just people that own restaurants and bars. It's like people that own shops that aren't set up to move the volumes and... The people that are like running other other businesses, like when they shut construction businesses that they're behind, and and so on and so forth. So it's really it's really that's been very difficult for me because yeah, I'm good, you know, touch wood and and and, and thanks God, but but you're looking at a society that that the common man is really hurting, you know. Like, really struggling. And and this is another thing to draw, come back into it, that if you re- retrace back to to, to read the step here, as I said, people were really, uh, at the start of the march, really worried about where, you know, what's going to happen. Is it going to be like anarchy? Is it going to be like civil war and everything like that? One of the good things that the government did was because Australia is had never never hit a recession in 30 years. That's right, they never went in a recession for 30 years. I think Poland, Polska, Polska is the only other country that had lasted longer with an economic boom. So we had money, but we had good credit. So the government basically stepped in and replaced the private sector and gave gave like a chunk of money to every household pretty much, which really helped the society help the society survive. Now, it's a debt that's going to be having to be paid back for, like, I don't know, 100 years, but it it, it kept the social cohesion because people were able to sit at home with a wage and earn money and and not have to particularly stress, but less stress, so to speak. Uh, And that's, I think, one of the things that they get a lot of flack for, but, you know, you've got to give credit for. Uh, Now, just to quickly come back, uh, I'll... Before I go into the next step, will be um, what about the my view on, on how it started. Now, at the beginning, look, I mean, because other viruses were started through, uh, through birds, like SARS, right? The SARS, this is like SARS-2, this type of virus. So, birds, Ebola, look, I mean, I know there's always going to be the argument of they did it in the lab and they did it to fuck us, it was all made up and you can't believe it stuff, but... According to most medical science was also Ebola was started through um, uh, coming from gorillas because the, in the villages, the, it was part of the delicacy in the meals of eating the gorilla meat. So at the start, when people were like, oh, it came from eating bats, I was like, it was pretty wild, but okay, like scientists are kind of saying it, but it, it seemed a little bit weird. It just seemed a little bit weird, but I was like, okay, if they're saying that's how it started, and then I was like, okay, we'll look more into it. And then once the epidemiologists were coming out, uh, and this is like last year out at the beginning, they were like, well, no, when you actually look at the different viruses, this this virus is the way that it transmits and it moves and it's genetics and it's makeup and everything like that. It's from a lab. Uh, and so I actually, I actually strongly believe that it's from but it did come from, from, from a Wuhan lab, uh, and whether it was let out intentionally or not, I mean, look, who knows? Uh, who knows? It's, I'm just, China's too big for me to go speculating, and they're they trying to wipe out the Australian economy when we ask them with trade barriers and tariffs, so I'll, I'll just leave it like that, but I, I do think that it was that, that, that it did come from the lab, and I don't think that we can really just point the finger at them because I know that Australia and America and Europe and everything are doing exactly the same thing, um, it, you know, thank God it just hasn't spread from ours so it's just a question of how it got out um, the next step I'll come back to is obviously I went back to Perth like I spoken to you and then this year I migrated in quotes back to Melbourne uh, big push for me was to be with be with my mum and dad, uh, they're getting on in life and yeah just you know wanted to, wanted to be there and, and look after them and, and fluff the pillows up and give them some hot soup and just sort of spend quality time with them uh, whilst, you know, whilst I still at the chance and whilst they're, they're still, you know, cognitive and, and whatnot. Uh, so opportunity came up to, to stay with the company, come back and I moved back um, around, I think, ironically, around about March this year. So for those of you that don't understand, Perth uh, is in West Australia and they basically live normal, like what you would call 2019 life. Just not impacted by COVID at all, we just go to the pubs and sick froffies every night and you live the dream basically you live the absolute dream there and um so it was interesting because i came back to melbourne and they they maintained being in lockdown all of last year pretty much and then came and had a couple of weeks out to see my mates and see some blues music and everything like that and then bam it's when the uh, the chairman dam started locking us up um so I'll try and fast track it so it doesn't go on forever, this podcast, but yeah, so we did for basically the first couple, I did like huge chunk, huge chunk, and then we got to the sixth lockdown, um, which is where I want to start to take it up from, um, which was I think August off memory, I can't remember now, it's it's been so long, and it was supposed to be a short snap lockdown and it ended up being, um, yeah, well, just got out literally now. So I, I want to address now the mental health issues because I want to – part of the podcast that I want to do, I'm trying to ignite here with my anthropological search, is to to discuss like mentally what happened to people because when I was over in Perth and, and I'm, I'm living the dream, right, I'm just playing golf and going to gigs and, you know, living living a lad's life, I guess you could say, there was sort of like this bit of guilt in my heart because my city was struggling and 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 my folks were just sitting at home, you know. My, my dad was in and out of work because he was in construction and 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 yeah. When your people are struggling, you kind of you kind of want to be there with them. Um, so, but then when I came back, like I said, I, I'd just gone from a normal life. I'd spent three months last year doing it, but it was kind of just a different experience Of everyone else is in lockdown and it was just kind of something fresh. People were just getting on creative and, you know, just in, it was kind of like the first the first kind of lockdown. People were like, oh, it's sitting at home and getting paid for it by the government. It's pretty cool. Uh, lo and behold, they didn't know it was going to be on indefinitely. Um, but basically, yeah. So when I came back the second time to Melbourne this year, uh, where – I only really had one sort of issue with, with mental health, um, and and I want to talk about it even even if it's like kind of a little bit full on. Uh, I think it was probably like maybe August or something like that, I went through a period of a couple of days where it was just kind of really bleak, and um, <clears throat> I was supposed to settle with the love of my life. I was supposed to migrate out to Australia at uh, start of last year, and then COVID stopped it, and... And she's doing <clears throat> doing incredibly well, but you know, it's like you don't know what the future holds. Like when you eventually going to see it, right? And 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 everyone else in your life has kind of moved on with kids and family and marriage and second kids, and and you're you're still sitting there in women of prayer, and you know your, your parents are kind of at an age, and and you can't really see the future ahead. You just can't. Like you just try to be hazed by it and I kind of went through a period and I I still to this day I don't know why but it was about three days It was really intense where all I thought about was just like kind of drowning in the ocean and I couldn't get it out of my head like I couldn't get out of just going down the beach and just sitting there and just enjoying the zen moment before your lights go out um and 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 just kind of floating in the ocean and that was kind of going to be it and and then you look, and then you sort of, for me, my senses kind of kicked in. Whereas I was like, well, I love my mum and dad and my sister. I can't do that to them. Uh, and I also, you know, this I, I, I'm, I've got a good job and I've got beautiful friends. And, and uh, you know, so a lot of things kind of kicked in. And then I was also like, well, at the end of the day, like, um, my grandparents, like, literally went through hell to survive. Like, literally. I mean, for Shava, also Poland during World War Two, <laughs> you know. And, and my, grandfather, my grandfather missed the birth of his daughter and my aunt and missed the death as well because um, she was overseas. And he fought from the first day to the last day, you know. And... Uh, And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting because I I, I don't think – I definitely wouldn't have done it. I definitely wouldn't have gone down that path and walked down the beach and done it, but it was just that that thought in my head was so strong. And then what was even weirder was uh, then for, like, two months afterwards, I couldn't sleep properly because I was freaking out that I was going to (laughs) die. Like, I was just – Really, just like probably like waking up in the middle of the night, like just just gasping for breath. Um, so yeah, that was that was my that was my uh, experience with like guess, what you would call sort of mental mental health issues. And and I want to sort of talk about myself and, and use myself as a guinea pig because people that, that know me would be like, oh, this is like a real positive, cruisy, happy. You know, lives in a super nice neighbourhood, <laughs> you know, got everything going for him, uh, is, has, has done everything and above and beyond in life uh, and, and is still kind of grappling with that difficulty of, of where's the future. And uh, I think it's important for, for people to talk about it. And I started talking and sharing it with some of my friends and some of my friends were like, well, look, I, I just thanks, bro. Like thank you because I I was starting to think those thoughts as well but I just didn't know how to how to discuss it with anyone um, and quite a few people that I was talking to were like yeah well, just thanks for vocalising that because you know it crossed out it crossed my mind as well and um, a lot of other people stress and strain and and yelling and and and, and nervous breakdowns and yeah, youth youth suicide has gone through the roof in Melbourne as well. Um, uh, two kids at the school I went to killed themselves, and four kids that, that my dad's uh, my dad's a tradie that works for him, legend of a bloke here. Yeah, so his kids, four of their friends, committed suicide in Melbourne during the last couple of months. So I think yeah, I really want to I really want to really delve deep into this sort of mental health issues as well if if I can get this series up and running and um, Yeah, like I said, just know that you're never alone and uh, know that there's people to call and there's people to talk to and see people that are like therapists and whatever it is because I I appreciate that not everyone's going to be as blessed with me that, you know, the thought went into their head and and then, you know, they've they've got that kind of strength of character that it never eventuates from anything more than a bad dream, so to speak. So anyway, I'll move on from there. The next thing is, um, I guess we have to go into sort of the government sort of thing. Uh, personally, I think that the way that they handled it was just completely and utterly ridiculous. Um, I understand that it's all a, a new thing and everything like that, but I'm just going to go through through my thoughts here. Um, personally, I think they completely fucked it. So anyway, uh, in terms of the state government here, I'll start off with a, a little disclaimer to begin with, at this moment, I'm living in supposedly a democracy. Uh, so under a democracy, we have freedom to vote and to voice our opinions. Uh, I do believe we're heading straight to socialism or communism. So to the people that will be listening to this podcast in future, once we officially become communist or socialist, I will love our leader and join the party and not talk about any politics and everything like that. Because, yeah, I know how the political system works under communism. Ready to go once you guys do your little, you know, slowly erode and destroy democracy and just throw it in the trash bin. But for the moment, in theory, still democracy. Wink, wink. Okay, so there's my thoughts on the state government. First of all, they didn't invest properly in the health system. And part of the reason why we're in the mess, not only within Victoria but within the other states, is that state governments didn't put enough money into the hospitals. B... And they completely and utterly stuffed the hotel quarantine up which is why they actually were able to let all the cases into the community spread and it led to 800 deaths so i'm not saying it's exactly them but partly their own uh, incompetence did lead to it uh, see uh, the signed foreign deals with countries without the fed's knowledge um Not to go too much into the politics, but basically our state government was signing contracts and governments with foreign powers, even though they didn't really have it. Four, they completely mismanaged the economy. Uh, The economy here, the local economy is just taint. And also for people that are supposedly the non-racist, gender-loving conservatives, uh, my question to them would be, why did you lock up the poorest, most marginalized people in our community living in housing estates? And then you basically started to try and feed the Muslim people pork slash ham sandwiches and uh, really stuffed it up. And and if it wasn't for the Sikh Indian community that really arose to the challenge and mobilised very quickly and set up all the food stores and vans and everything to feed the people and uh, I'd just say bravo. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, I think that um, they're more concerned about uh, they're more concerned about what pronoun to use and look like I'm embracing all people of all genders, I really couldn't care at all. Uh, I think we share a common bond of we want our living standards to be good and uh, what you do in your personal or private life is up to you but we should be more focusing on the economy and not focusing on, you know, entrepreneurship in schools as opposed to, you know, what they want to do when they grow up and and what pronoun to use in an email. Uh, I think that also, you know, the government's wiped out small business. They've pushed them to the absolute wall. They've come up with these stupid laws of things like kids weren't allowed to go to playgrounds and everything like that. Uh, They introduced a curfew for us from 9pm to 5am, which was like, oh, you know. So COVID just magically at like 9.05pm is like, right. Let's go, stick it to them. Now's the time. Uh, they mismanaged completely everything. They've like bankrupted the state. They shut parliament down uh, and literally created a police force. So I have to be careful of what I. I actually have to be careful of what I say in social media or a post because they can just walk into my house at any time and arrest me, and uh, they can basically just got free power which, uh, interestingly, now they're passing laws in the parliament that uh, if you were to protest or um, march the streets or do anything they don't like, they can now lock you up for two years in prison. Uh, so also I don't particularly like the fact that I understand that people were sort of slow on the vaccine and you had to provide an incentives. but I think even if you were to have a mandatory vaccination, it should be with a, a cut-off point, so it should be like, okay, well, we need, you know, if you want to go to the pub or the restaurant or to a sports ground, then you've got to be vaccinated, and, and that's going to be in place for the next three months. I, I don't, I don't think you can really have just a, a compulsory, uh, mandatory vaccination, uh, and now everywhere you go, you've got to show your, you've got to actually show your um, vaccination cards, which interestingly enough poses another issue because it has your, your what's it known as your name IHI number. And so if if the now the small businesses who are trying to make their own money back are under risk of breaching privacy laws by holding on to your uh, vaccination cards or passports or whatever you recall because it contains like government information or should only be for the government. So if they not only if they get like hacked and it gets taken, but also just from a security point of view uh, and the legality, it's now complete quagmire because they have to take it and show the government that they've they've got fully vaccinated people, but they're not actually supposed to kind of hold it. Uh, so I think, look, overall, I understand that um, I understand that it's it's very difficult. We've never been in a situation in recent times where we have had a pandemic, but. It just seems to be like an opportunity now for governments to take complete control and do whatever they want. So that's kind of my concern of of where we're heading. Um, And as for the future, um, look, we're opening up again and and I'm sure we're going to need booster shots and everything like that. But uh, what would I take from the experience? I guess it's how 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 I'll finish it. And I would I would take a few things. I would say, first of all, I'm surprised how quickly democracy was destroyed. I'm shocked how quickly people were snitching on each other and dobbing each other in. I'm surprised how friends and loved ones and family can turn on each other uh, over who's vaccinated or not. Uh, I understand the fear and it's a horrible disease, and like I said, you know, I think you need to take all precautions you can with it, but um, yeah, I think it's a sad state of affairs, I think it's a sad state of affairs, because I look at my city now, and I'm like, well, what happened to it, you know, like, the city that I love, and and I I hold to be true, and, and I wore it on my sleeve, and I, I travelled to about 35, 40 countries around the world and, I, and it used to be the most amazing experience flying back into Melbourne because you'd land and you just wanted to kiss the ground. Like, you're so happy. You're like, oh, I've seen the world and, and, and it won the most livable city for so many years in a row because it had everything. It had the sports and the food and the arts and the culture and, like, heaps of parks and space and, and like, everything you could imagine and now it's like a woke topia of fast forwarding itself to just I don't know like I really don't know and I think I think we need to have a look at ourselves and ask ourselves who are we who are we like who are we because our borders shut. We went from being Australians to Victorians and West Australians. And I can't go back to Perth to see my buddy Curbs or anyone in, like, months. And families are split up. And people are dying because they can't get over the borders. It's like we had this horrible pandemic. I think medical science did a really good job. Medical practitioners mobilised. Research was done. You know, And if you go to page six, you'll find stuff that the whole Israel, like, gave the whole population the vaccine and did proper research on it and everything like that. And, and we kind of, we kind of dealt with it. Like, it's going to keep going and it's going to keep killing people and it's going to keep hurting people and everything like that. But we dealt with it. Like, we showed medically that that we can. And yes, more needs to be done. And yes more ICU hospitals need to be done, and yes, more precautions need to be done, and yes, certain lockdowns have to be done, but our society was destroyed. And whether or not it was, whether or not it was rightly or wrong, done on purpose or accidentally, the biggest winners of this is actually, to a certain extent, China. Because, yes, all right, Taiwan's a territorial thing for them, but they don't, they, the biggest competitor to them, which was the West, destroyed itself. In the space of two years, it bankrupted and it destroyed itself. And I think that we, we really have to have a cold, hard look at ourselves. And this is why I'm so passionate about doing this series. Not for politics, not for some vaccine clicks or whatever it is, but to ask people what what went on in your head? what's going on? and where the bloody hell are we heading? Yeah, pause. peace.